In the fall each year we all congregate The mouth all gathered at the church of Hillgate The scriptures reading from the book of Monson Our favorite verse, my God, a freshman Drunk and obnoxious, what Georgia faith Ain't nothing finer in the land Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday and that thing Welcome to the Saturday in Athens podcast. I'm Herschel Gurley here as always with my co-host, Boss Dog. Boss, market to people. Welcome back, everyone. Um, in case you haven't noticed, we are no longer Blog the Dogs podcast. We are now the Saturday in Athens podcast. So hope you all like the name change. We decided to go with a rebranding. Yeah, figured a new name. Also probably noticed, too, got a new intro song. Um, you know, I've been telling Boss about this for years. I've had this idea my head to have like some type of fun game day song and never had one so figured shoot man let's just draw one up ourselves so um yeah that, that's what that is hopefully we'll release the full thing in the near future um still doing some work on it but at least the hook's out there so uh new way to intro to the show and um yeah so some changes for the show and some changes for your host too you boys moved two states away from you brother yeah, man, move the whole way back to Charleston. So, but you know, best for you guys, best for the family. Know y'all got love it down there. So, still see you. You know, every day when we do the podcast. So it's not like it's, it's not like it, I don't ever get to see you guys. So not that not that yeah, much. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's a beauty. That's the beauty of doing this. I get boss and I get to see each other a lot, really more than yeah. we did before we started the podcast because we just get the get the time carved out to spend with each other, which is great because I know. You know, just like for me and boss, I'm sure for a lot of y'all watching the dogs is as, as much about spending time with the people that you love and the people that love the dogs as much as you do. And that's certainly the case for us. So, yeah, not 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 as close from a distance perspective, but now boss got a great place to, to bring the fam down here, brother. Yeah, looking forward to it. And got us a little closer to Athens, so hopefully we'll be making some more trips to the classic city. We'll see how that goes. It's actually not as close as you would think. Like, dude, do you remember when you came down when we had the bachelor party in Atlanta? Yeah, so we Atlanta. Was like a, it was like, you know, trying to, you know, get a, go around your elbow to, you know, get to the yeah. not family friendly place. Yeah. Yeah. So um, my wife and I used to live in Charleston about six years ago. We lived here for about four years. And uh, we were engaged down here and we're plan- I planned my bachelor party. So we, we went to Atlanta for the Dogs Boise State game, uh, Labor Day week, kickoff class, Chick fil A kickoff classic, Labor Day weekend 2011, which, brother, what are we looking at? Oh, yeah, nine years, nine years ago. Yeah, because I, I got a wedding anniversary coming up in about a month. So, um, yeah, so Boss came down to Charleston and then Boss and I drove from Charleston to Atlanta. And you're, you're leaving out the best part of that story. What did we do what? when I got into Charleston? We 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 shaved our facial hair into mustaches. So that's that's correct. Yeah, yeah. I I I love facial hair. I, I enjoy it. I, I've had a beard for about as long as I can remember. And uh, you know, boss is the same. Boss grows a mean beard. So beard world world heavyweight champ over there. My boy's got a mean beard. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I told everybody, what did we do at first night? Everybody had to wear mustaches. 
Yeah, first night. Everywhere or Fu Manchu's so yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. Shave the <laughs> There's this great picture of me and Boss and my brother. And two brothers. I don't know. Yeah, it both brothers in it. And we're all, we're all with the mustaches. And what did Chris write on the caption? Something like, he said something like, uh, Wally Fingers, Ron yeah. Jeremy, uh, and a cop. And I'm a cop. <laughs> and a cop. <laughs> oh, it always makes me laugh every time I watch it. So yeah, yeah. So we uh we came back and it's great. So it's good to be back in SEC country for sure. I um I so started this new job and I sometimes at lunch I just drive around a little bit, just get out of the office and kind of get some fresh air. So I'm driving around today, find a sports shop like around the corner from my office. So I'm like, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go right. Like I'm not gonna just drive by a sports shop and not go in and check out the merchandise so dude i get in there and it's just packed with college stuff like college gear all this dog stuff so i may or may not have come home with a new piece of dog's apparel for every member of the family <laughs> i mean that, that's just that's just the rules if dad goes to the sports store at lunch he's bringing home some gear right <laughs> meanwhile i can probably find like four to five pieces of dog's apparel in the entire city of richmond so yeah if yeah. i'm lucky it, it's a great change. Yeah, I've been multiple places and I find just random dog stuff. It's great. So, yeah, it's great to be back in SEC country. Um, and, you know, obviously since we moved down here, uh, some enormous news as it pertains to dogs football. Um, I don't know. Was I was I at work or was I moving? I can't work. remember. Was at I'm work. And you, you, you texted me and you said um, Newman's going to opt out. And I was like. No, uh, he said, yep. And so sure enough, I hop on, um, hop on Twitter and start seeing all the pop, 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 opt out, opt out, opt out. I mean, I don't know. I guess just tee it up. Like when you heard it or you read it, what would you think? Where'd your mind go with it? Well, I've been really vocal about my displeasure about the players that opted out early. And this is before the big 10 and Pac 12, uh, packed it in for the year. The, I think it was Micah Parsons and Rondell Moore um, for uh, Penn State and Purdue um, when they opted out. And because I felt like they quit on their teams. And I, I honestly, I didn't feel that way about Newman. And, and Alex, and let me explain why. And part of it is, and don't get me wrong, it, the timing pisses me off. Three weeks before the season starting, you're going to opt out. Uh, come on. That, 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 that is ridiculous you're going to do it, do it in the summertime, you know, just don't go through all the, the off season workouts that just aggravated me to no end, but he hasn't been with the program for, you know, two, three, four years, like three years, like Parsons and more have that, you know, these, this isn't his, these aren't his brothers. This, this isn't his group of, this isn't his group of guys. He didn't come in with the group. This isn't his recruiting class. He's a grad transfer. Also, I, I feel like he is getting horrible advice from whoever he's getting it from because while I think he is extremely talented, there was no talk of a first round Jamie Newman at Wake Forest. There was no talk of a Heisman contender Jamie Newman at Wake Forest. All of that talk came was when he transferred to Georgia. All of their, those were, you know, connected. And he, I, 
I read somewhere, and I can't remember what uh, NFL draft analyst, and I, I think that the draft analyst, I, I love the draft. I talked about it in our draft preview and draft recap show. I think a lot of it is um, a lot of them, you know, really, you know, it's it's a crapshoot. But they he basically went from a projected late first, early second, and it was all based on what they were expecting to see this season to now based off of what they have seen, because they're not going to see anything else, fourth to sixth. And everything I'm reading online about it is just like Georgia is getting killed about this narrative that Georgia let Newman go. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Georgia didn't let Newman go. Newman opted out. And they're like, oh, well, they shouldn't have brought in Daniels. And everything I'm reading is like, you know, the reason they brought in Daniels is because they were expecting this, like that he almost opted out in the summertime and and they kept it hush hush. That's why Daniel, that's why they brought in Daniels. And that's just coming to light now. Like, I, I mean, Kirby's a master at this roster management. I mean, you can't tell me that he doesn't bring in JT Daniels without the thought process that this is a possibility. And have you noticed how you haven't been, you never read all summer about how Newman is this great leader, how he was just, you know, taking everything by the reins. Now, granted, there was no offseason workouts, but, you know, you expect your quarterback to, you know, arrange things, even in a COVID environment. And you never heard anything about that. And it just kind of, everything, once he opted out, it's kind of seemed like all the pieces kind of fit into place. And it was like, okay, you know, Daniel's transferring in and, and everybody just seems like oh, Daniels is it's it almost seems like everybody seems seems to be saying we let we chose another from over fields and I, I'm so sick of that damn narrative and it's like we didn't choose anything Newman chose to leave. Yeah, to your point, I think I agree. I think he's getting some interesting advice, and I'll lay out why I think that. All. Pretty much everything, and this is outside of whatever the narrative's been about Georgia around the Georgia football program, but just as it pertains to Jamie Newman, most of the reactions that I saw from folks in the NFL community, in the NFL scouting community, in the draft projection community, uh, were all pretty much the same. It was like, this is this is not going to escalate him up the draft board. Uh, he's a fourth round to sixth round guy, and if he gets lucky, that maybe he sneaks into day two with somebody is pretty much the synopsis from everybody involved. Um, and nobody's directly talked about this, but I do wonder. Okay, and I, I'm sure no organization will come out and say this, but. If you're scouting and evaluating talent that you're not only going to pay millions of dollars to, but you're also paying millions of dollars to at the preeminent, most important position in the game, right? I mean, quarterback is what makes the wheels turn in the NFL. And this is the guy that's going to be a figurehead for the organization, all these different things, right? What's going to happen when he's sitting in the executive rooms uh, or the executive suites in Indianapolis at the combine and the scouts go, why didn't you play this year? And he says, well, I didn't play because of COVID. And I, and I want to touch on that too, because I do think 
whether it's him or whoever it may be, right? I think that is being used as a get out of jail free card, right? Like, look, you don't have to take any risk to play, to get hurt. And look, that's a real concern, right? Like, look what happened to Dominic Blaylock, okay? And I'm sure that probably influenced part of the equation, right? As he sees Dom go down and go, well, man, what if what if I bust my knee up and then I'm out? And we don't even know if this is going to be like a real normal season. I, that's a real concern. I get that. But, uh, and look, man, I, I don't know. I don't know Jamie Newman personally. I don't know anything about Jamie Newman's family. Okay. So there may be some legitimate health concerns or things he's worried about as it pertains to COVID and, and how it could affect himself or his family. But I just have a hard time believing that's actually the reason that he's not playing. It's because he has fears about the pandemic. Like, if that was the reason, then you would have opted out three months ago, right? Like, I just think that's, I, I'm sorry, but I just think that's a bunch of bull. Like, uh, I'm not buying it. They might try to sell that, but I'm not buying it. And I don't think NFL people are going to buy it. So then the next question is, if it's not really about COVID, you just left because you're trying to preserve your status. And if if you're somebody who's building a football team, right? Are you going to pick the guy that walked out or are you going to pick the guy that stayed and led his crew? Like, dude, of all the people that could justifiably opt out, Trevor Lawrence, right? I mean, dude, he is the no-fail first pick in the draft. He's already won a national championship. He's played in two. There's really no reason for him to play. And nobody would have faulted him if he'd said, I- I'm going to shut it down, man. I'm I'm concerned about my health and you know all this stuff. I want to I want to prepare myself for the NFL draft, which is essentially not by any action of his own because I I think Justin wants to play, but that's what just that's what's happening to Justin because the Big Ten's decision. I mean he's he's just going to train. All the reports are is that he's in Atlanta with Quincy Avery throwing NFL footballs, so he's he's training, and I don't blame you. But dude, Trevor Lawrence could have done the same thing, but he's playing, and so I guess my thing is if you're the agent advising him, you're telling him. Don't worry, man. We're going to work this out. Everything's going to work out great. I just think that's going to be a really, really difficult question for him to answer when it pertains to the decision makers in an NFL organization. So, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know, man. I didn't, I didn't get it. Um, I still don't really get it. Let me ask you this. What do you think the actual reason was that he left? Like, do you think he felt like he wasn't going to win the job? Do you think he was irritated that Kirby hadn't come out and said he was the starter? Like, what do you think was actually the reason that he left? That he realized that it might be a short leash and that he would rather take the chance and go train and have the, you know, potential for a great senior bowl and boost his stock there then go through a season where let's say he starts the first three games, maybe four and has a bad game and then gets yanked and never sees the field again. And then doesn't even get invited to the senior bowl. I think that that is, but I think it's all agent influenced. I don't think that he came to that realization and maybe not agent influence. There's some external factor. I don't think it was, he came to that realization all on his own. I think that there was some, external factor that came into his mind that uh, otherwise why come why transfer why not just declare after his senior year at wake forest 
why even go through the short? Why not just go pro last year? Why go through the charade? Yeah, I mean, and to that point, don't you think it's? I mean, the knock on him has been the tape against upper tier teams was not great. Elite defense yeah, was was yeah. not great, right? So you come to the SEC, you play against you know the NFL's minor league essentially, and you show what you can do. The other piece of it that I think just doesn't add up is, dude, he's going to play for Todd Munkin, who's been an NFL play caller for the last two to three years. So not only are you getting to put up tape against guys who are going to the NFL, but you're also putting up tape in a guy who's called plays in the NFL. Like, I don't know, man. I, I just felt like if you're looking to showcase your talent and say like, look, man, this is what I can do. And this is, I am the alpha. I am the guy you should draft to lead your organization. I, I can't think of a better situation that he was put in than to be in Athens between the hedges with that defense and with all that talent surrounding him, especially on the offensive line and in the backfield with him at running back. Right. Um, I don't know, man, that, that just, that made no sense to me. And yeah. I, so to your point, I, I wonder if he was concerned about, Hey, it won't look great if I go and start for three games and then I get knocked out because I don't play that great and then I lose my job or whatever. But I guess that's back to my point about going into the combine and having these interviews with executives is wouldn't you ask that if you're the GM of the, you know, whoever, the Broncos or whoever, like when you say like, hey, man, like, why didn't you, why didn't you lace it up? Like, we wanted to see you play. Like, we wanted to see what you could do. And I just, they'll never come out and publicly say it. I'm going to tell you, man, that COVID thing is not going to sit well within those fo- quote unquote football guy rooms, right? Like those guys are going to go. I mean, that's it. That's, that's, that's what you're citing. Is Newman the first fringe guy that's opted out? Like, I, mean, I, I can't think of another guy that's I, fringe I, guy. Yeah, I think so. I think he's the first guy who you would say was a mid rounder that opted out. Because to your point, that's what I was trying to say earlier about like Trevor Lawrence, right? Like, dude, if Trevor Lawrence opted out, who, who cares? He's going to be number one pick. I mean, everybody in Mama knows that. So, it, yeah, it, it doesn't matter if he opts out. He's going to be the number one pick because they want the talent. He could have been the number one pick two years ago. Same thing with Jamar Chase. He could have been top five, top 15 pick last year, right? If it weren't for the archaic NFL rules or eligibility rules out of the NCAA to go to the draft. So, yeah, that, that's a absolutely. I mean, I think the same thing with like Micah Parsons, right? Like, dude, they're not going to ding Micah Parsons for not playing. I mean, not that he could have played anyways, but you know what I'm saying? Like he's going to get drafted because he's a, he's that level talent. But I think it's a different question when you're a guy who's trying to establish yourself as somebody they should pick in the first round. Right? Like I, I thought in so, so many ways he could have been the 2020 Joe Burrow if things had fallen right. Don't you think? I mean, all the things set up. NFL offensive coordinator, SEC, great team around him, could have won a national championship. It's possible he could have gone to New York for the Heisman if the year had been. I mean, he could have really, really escalated himself. And so that's what I'm saying. Like, what does that say to you as a talent evaluator, as somebody who is runs a franchise and is building a franchise? You know, are we going to invest – a pick or we're going to invest resources into a guy where that's the, where that's where the mindset is. Right. And again, I, we don't know any type of personal background stuff. On it. I'm speaking on it purely from just a football decision-making perspective. I don't get it, man. I really, really don't get it. 
Well, I think we've talked about Newman enough. Let's talk about the guys that are still here. I mean, let's be honest, because that's the story, the story for the next, you know, what, 18 days? You know, who's who's going to be under center? So speaking to the guys that are here, do you think Dwan Mathis's development and Dwan Mathis's play during camp influence things at all? Because, I mean, dude, there's been guys coming out on Twitter, starters, talking about Dwan. And, like, I don't know. Didn't that strike you as a little odd? Like, <laughs> I, I tell you what, he sure looks the part. I mean, he sure does. Honestly, everybody keeps uh, talked about these pictures of Newman and how great Newman looked physically and how, like, you know, him getting in the strength and conditioning program at Georgia and how much it changed him. Just look at the the pictures of um, of Mathis after his surgery. Now, granted, I mean, he had brain surgery, so granted, he was going to lose a bunch of weight because he couldn't train. But you look at him from, like, the Sugar Bowl to now. Like, he looks like a completely different person. And I, I tell you what, he's got a cannon for an arm. Like, I mean, I don't know his, cause we, we never, we, all we really got to see was G day. We don't know how gifted he is as a runner, but his build in college, I'm not saying he's the talent. So please listeners don't take it this way. His build reminds me of Cam Newton when Cam Newton was at Florida before Cam went to Auburn. He has that build. So he's that he he's, you know, and he has the arm, he has the arm talent there too. So, you know, in the way that if our defensive starters, and let's be honest, you know, uh, Herschel and I think that our defense is, you know, the best in the, in the country, hands down, like nobody can touch it. If our defensive starters are saying that, that he's this good, I mean, who are we to, you know, argue with it? I don't say that. Yeah. I don't. I And Daniels, let's not forget, Daniels started for USC when he was, when he was supposed to be a high school senior. People yeah. kind of gloss over that in articles. Like people on people like message boards mention it, but people in articles always kind of gloss over that. Like, oh, he was a true freshman. He put up true freshman numbers. Yeah, he was supposed to be a high school senior. He reclassified and was still the fifth overall player in the country. So Yeah, I think I, I think a lot of the I think a lot of the talk with Daniels too is it's around the knee, right? Like I think Is he gonna be cleared? People he's not. are yeah. Well I don't even know if it's about him being cleared. I think everybody's I mean, Kirby seems pretty confident that he's going to be cleared by week one. Um, he hasn't come out and directly said that, but he's made some comments like, you know, yeah, we feel good about how things are. Ron feels good about where he is. But I think it's still hesitation because like we've talked about before, I mean, the ACL, yes, you can play after a year, but it's probably like in reality an 18-month turnaround till you're 100% healthy. So you just wonder – how that's going to affect throws and all those type things. But it, dude, speaking of JT Daniels, and this goes back to what we said on last episode, when we were talking leading up into, and I said what my two book recommendations were for dogs fans. If you read Trevor Moads, it takes what it takes. Trevor Moads says that JT Dan. So JT Daniels was one of Trevor Moads clients, one of his mental conditioning clients when he was coming through high school, his dad hired Trevor to like get him prepped for the college game. And Trevor works with Russell Wilson. He worked with Alabama. Um, he worked for IMG. I mean, he has worked with the cream of the crop when it comes to 
athletes, especially in the football space. And he says in the book that JT Daniels is the most mentally conditioned athlete he's ever been around. So knowing that you have a guy like that in the quarterback room, fantastic, right? And if he has the physical attributes to go with it, it's going to be great. I will tell you, man, Dwan is super, super intriguing though, because number one, all the physical attributes are there, but number two, like the fortitude he had to have to weather what he had to deal with and then fight his way back to get where he is. And also dude stayed at Georgia. Like, I don't know about you, man, but I probably would have thought about going home, like just to be close to family or whatever. But dude, like he stayed in Athens, got care in Athens, like dedicated to the university. Like how can you not root for that kid? Right. Like if you know, I, I think it was one of our first episodes like, I mean, really early on, I remember saying that I didn't think he was ever going to play again. And that was based off of everything that I had heard and everything that we had read. And just, you know, the surgery was successful. This was after the Sugar Bowl, I think. Like, one of, I think this was very early on in one of our episodes. And just, and then when I remember when I was proven wrong and they were talking about how he was going to, you know, practice, I was like, I was just shocked. And I, I want him to succeed so much just because of everything he's been through. And honestly, I, you know, if, if it's one great I, to me, I don't care who's under center. I just want to win. I just want the, the yeah. whoever's under center to just play well and the dogs to win. I could care less. who. It is. Yeah. And I mean, that's my mentality. You know, is I care about the G on the side of the helmet. I don't care about the names on the back. And Yeah. I mean, I, I think we're all in that boat, right? Like, I you, you just want whoever's going to do the best for the team. And I think that's what's so interesting about this with Jamie being gone is I think everybody nationally and within, you know, Dog Nation, the expectation was that Jamie Newman was going to be the starter, right? Like, I, I think there was some intrigue when JT Daniel transferred in, but I think everybody kind of just went, well, you know, he's coming off the ACL We'll just we'll just let him he get recuperated and he was for next year. Next year, was, he's he was next year's plan. Yeah, yeah. He, he, was, he wasn't he was supposed to be Brock. The, it was supposed to be Newman. Yeah, Newman Daniels Brock. That was the plan. Yeah, and so now I think there's just a lot of intrigue about where are we supposed to be. You know, speaking of this, dude, we're supposed to start the season last night. We're taping on the Tuesday after Labor Day. We're supposed to start the season last night against Virginia. Obviously, with everything going on, that didn't happen. But talking season was supposed to be over already, and we still got three more weeks of talking season. So this is what happens, you know. I mean, it's a blessing, right? Because I I can't imagine the timing would have materialized the same in a normal year, right? Like, and if it was a normal year, Jamie wouldn't have left. I wouldn't. I wouldn't think because I don't think you opt out in a normal year because you can't hide behind the COVID thing. But I. It is interesting to think if that was the timing, it would have been like a week or four days and then they would have played a game, you know, like <laughs> that's crazy. So yeah, it, it is good that there's kind of some buffer there. And I just, I don't, I mean to keep harping on Dwan, but I was listening to um, Drew and Aaron show punt and pass last week when all this came out and Aaron made some interesting comments about Dwan. He said he was on the field it might've been G day the the first year. And he said, I, I was out there, which you guys should listen to that episode. It was a great episode. Both him and Drew had a lot of great insight, but Aaron said, you know, I was there and I kept seeing this kid and I was asking him like, who is that guy? Like he said, it just sounded different when he threw it. Like it was this easy flick. And then it was just like, a 
And I don't know, man. He just said everything looked easy with him. And when you're hearing guys like the SEC leader in passing saying stuff like that and a guy that's played in the NFL say that, you kind of go, wait a minute. <laughs> He's saying that about a guy who's 6'6", 225, and can run and throw. And I don't know, man. It just it makes you really think. Maybe it's not this year, but at some point, I think Dwan Mathis will leave his mark on UGA's program. I think he's going to get an opportunity. So it could be a great story. Um, so what are we now? Two scrimmages in? We've had two scrimmages? Two scrimmages, yep. Yes. So didn't seem like Kirby didn't have a ton to say about quarterback work after the second one, just that, you know, everybody's still working, that the offense is behind, which I think you would expect. I will say it's interesting, um, and I hope that – people have paid attention did you see i i i'm gonna just butcher his last name but the coach for navy ken ne- is that how you, is that how you say that's, it? that's pretty close is that is that pretty good that's pretty close. i mean I, i'm messing that up fantastic coach um they they interviewed him after the game they got just dusted by byu i mean byu just walked a dog all over I'm surprised um honestly well, so listen, this it surprised me too until after the game. And he said, we worked completely on air in our preseason practices. We did no tackling. They worked either dummies or on air for the entire practice period. He's like, that was my mistake. I messed that up. He goes, it showed tonight. And it sure did. I mean, dude, BYU ran roughshod all over Navy. I couldn't believe it. Could not believe it. I thought BYU would win. But I didn't think they would dump truck them like that. So, yeah. I, I, I mean, I have seen no indication that UGA is not going, you know, pads and tackling and oh, thuds no. and all have that you, stuff. Did like, you see uh, – uh, uh, it was a clip. Oh, God, I can't remember what it was on. But um, Jalen – they were doing one-on-one, like Jalen Carter, the true freshman, uh, going against, you know, Trey Hill. Um, oh, Trey Hill. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, that clip was awesome. And Jalen Carter, like, threw him around like he was a ragdoll. Oh, let's talk about Jalen Carter. Oh, let's let's talk about Jalen Carter. <laughs> let's talk about Jalen Carter. Homie, he's a grown man. He is. That Like, how do you like, get him out of Florida? Holy crap. Dude, hold up. We're talking, we're talking, I mean, dude, he might be like Trayvon Walker. We might see him on kickoff team. Like, that dude is a man. And all indications are that he is just punishing people in camp, like big time. Like it's going to be Trayvon Walker 2.0. It's going to be incredible. That D-line is going to be so nasty. I'm, I can't wait. What are, what's, what's their count? What's our countdown now? We got, we got September 8th, so what do we got? We got 18 days? 18 days. Woo! Woo! And, and this is for all the people who wanted to fire Trey Scott a few, few years ago. I mean, just Kirby knows what he's doing, guys. Kirby knows what he's doing. That, let him that D line. He, he recruits talented recruiters and coaches just like he recruits players. Just give him time to develop them. Give him time. And look, man, boss can show you all the receipts on this. Malik Heron is gonna blow up. I'm just saying it right now. <laughs> I've been I've been saying it for three years. I'm just telling you, Malik Herring is gonna be a monster. If Malik stays healthy, shoot, y'all better look out. Well, I mean it I mean, hey. I've been saying Julian Rochester for eight years, so it feels like it's been 10 Ooh. years. So, <laughs> Oh, I'm glad you brought him up. That's another good name. Dude, a lot, 
I'm telling you, I think he's got a big year too. We talked about him on one of our earlier, like yeah. early, early podcasts, but I think he's a guy that could have a really big year. I, I just think that D line in general is going to have so much depth that they're going to be able to rotate guys, keep guys fresh. And I mean, dude, Jordan Davis look, looking felt. Like, did you, does our, does our boy JD have a little, little four pack now? I don't know if I'm going to give him the full six yet, <laughs> but I'll give him a four. I'll go four on him. I don't know about the full six though. I don't know. I'm but, really I mean, dude, he's like to see uh, Aziz and Nolan though. I mean, those two coming off the edge. That's if we actually, you know, I mean, let them pin their ears back though. I mean, we always seem to kind of hold them back a little bit, rein them in. I want to see him just pin their ears back and let them go. But that's not, I don't, I don't know if we'll ever do that. <laughs> I feel like for the first time since he's been there, Kirby has a secondary that he's comfortable with. I'm not saying that in other years he didn't have talent in the secondary that he liked. What I'm saying is I think for the first time he's got talent on the back end that has been his expectation, right? And I think because of that, he may have a little more courage as it pertains to, hey, look, man, we're going to leave you guys alone. You just got to figure it out. Cause we're going to go after people. I just, there's so much talent back there. I think he's finally going to give, give some license to do some of those things. I'm a little concerned about the depth with, with the transfers and I mean, one, one or two injuries and any nicks here or there, the depth might get tested in the secondary. Yeah. I mean, starting five is legit. I mean, no, I'm not legit. I mean, the starting five all probably will most likely be, you know, day two or earlier picks in the NFL. Yeah. So and what, about talking boy, like, what about what about what about your boys in the trenches? What about the big uglies? What what you I know you're surprised about the right I, tackle situation. Dude, I that that threw me for I I've been I was shocked when I heard that. When the Condon um like uh started the first scrimmage, I was shocked that I heard that. I I really thought that it was going to be trust and it's not even like trust is even getting reps there. It's McClendon, it's McClendon and Condon. And then Condon, he doesn't have a strangled hold, a stranglehold on it, but it's right now it's Condon. And that really surprised me. Um, but I mean, McClendon's right there. I mean, but McClendon is, you know, Kirby loves his, you know, four, five position guys and McClendon's that's what McClendon is be able to slide in center but really that's your erickson um your clay webb um uh, cedric van pran but i mean I-, I tell you what anybody gets hurt on the offensive line i always know in years past it was like we were always like if andrew thomas got hurt we always felt like it was a big step back because andrew thomas was just you know he was andrew thomas i mean fourth overall pick i mean there's you, it's andrew thomas now i don't feel like anyone getting hurt there's like a huge step back. Now, that's because we also haven't seen them play yet. So, I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't feel like there's that ginormous hole along the offensive line. Also, they're going to play a different scheme this year, you know, with the offensive line. They're going to be more, you know, they're going to be, you know, they're not going to be the big uglies that we've, you know, seen the past couple of years. They're going to be a little bit more spelt. Um, I'm hoping that we're going to see some pulling this year, that we're not just going to see the five guys line up and try to beat the hell out of the five guys in front or three to, you know, to seven guys in front of us. I hope we're going to, you know, see some misdirection and some stuff like that. Some new concepts with Luke and Monken running the running it as opposed to Coley last year. I just, I think we're going to see some different stuff along the offensive line. And I think fans are going to be pleasantly surprised. I, I really, really think that. 
I think it's going to be a much more athletic looking group. I mean, they already look that way. Just the images that have come out, like Jamari looks cut up. Like they just look, you know, still beefed up, but you know, they look like they could move a little bit. And I think that's the Matt Luke influence. And to your point, I think Munkin's going to want to do some stuff and move some guys around and, and be quicker offensively, you know, one to 11. So uh, yeah, man. The one thing, the one thing we need to talk about that's that, is uh, McKitty got hurt in the scrimmage, and well, I had surgery. He had surgery today. He had surgery today. So, um, I mean, that leaves Fitzpatrick as the number one if um, McKitty can't go week one, and because I mean, as much of a freakish talent as Darnell Washington is, I mean, he's very raw. He's just he's not much of a blocker yet. He's just he's just not from everything I've read. So. We might see for the first time in Kirby's tenure, we might actually see more three wide receiver, two running back sets, maybe some four and one, four wide receivers and one running back sets, just at a necessity because we don't, there may not be a, you know, a blocking tight end to be out there. I don't think we're going to see many two tight end sets like we did last year to begin with. Anyway. It's a shame. It, it's a shame about Trey too, because that's somebody Kirby has talked about a couple different times about how great a camp he was having and how impressed he was with him. And I mean, what did Seth tweet? You know, they're thinking maybe he's back opening week, maybe back Auburn. Worst yeah. case scenario, not back till week three. So I mean, yeah. it's not like he's it's out not, for the year. Yeah, or anything, it's not. But. It's not dire, but it's just it, it'll be interesting because putting in a new offense, no spring camp, and then having really, you know a linchpin, the one position that you really couldn't afford to have the, the experience not be there. So, and it's just, that's something that we'll have to look out for. It'd be very interesting to see on September 26th, you know, what happens. I mean, I haven't seen too many pictures of Fitzpatrick, but I hear he's bulked up. So that'll be interesting to see as well. So, um, cause I mean, the last time I did see pictures of him, he still was very, very skinny. So, well, you, you know what I want him to do. I'm going to run to darn oop-de-oop, man. I want to just go five <laughs> wide and five wide and fling it, baby. <laughs> I, I don't think we're ever going to see those days again. So I think that was, that, that ended with Murray. So that really ended with the LSU game, honestly. Let's be realistic. That LSU just, met just, game. You just roll Johnny Moxon, Jonathan Moxon out there, and we'll run to oop-de-oop, baby. We'll get rolling. <laughs> well, <laughs> well brother, that's all – yeah, I'll get Tweeter out there and do the Tweeter end zone dance. Um, <laughs> well, that's about all I got, brother. You got anything else? No, I think we're good for this week. All right. Well, we are counting down the days, 18 more days, till the dogs tee it up in Fayetteville and start getting the whooping on everybody. So we'll uh, we'll holler at y'all next week. Go dogs, sick them. Go dogs. Hey, George is better now.